there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning. Welcome back to the show about money. And it's called Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, your host, Jack Hartle. The co-host of the show, and pleased to bring to you this morning, John Johnston. He's an executive vice president and chief strategist at Davis Ray, a good uh, longtime friend of mine on Bay Street. Him and I worked at one of those big banks. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the big banks, our biggest bank in Canada, lowered uh, the five-year mortgage rate uh, this week, I understand, dropping it from, from 385 down to 375 So uh, that's an interesting move. Uh, so welcome back to the show, and Happy New Year to you, John. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having me. Um 2018, obviously, uh, witnessed a market crash, uh, according to the academics uh, in the last quarter. Uh, 2019's off to a strong start. Um, what do you think? A little too uh, too uh, too much too soon uh, for 2019, and uh, market going to roll back and retest the lows, or are we out of the woods and uh, it's all good? I don't say clear sailing, but uh, smoother sailing. Smoother sailing. Yeah. What's your take for 2019, JJ? The uh I don't think we're out of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I approach it a few ways, obviously from the fundamental side, which is you know what I spend most of my time on. But I also like to look at the, the cyclical patterns. Mm-hmm. And we had a big four-year low in uh, January of 2016. And so we're coming up to the next four-year low. And when I say four years, there's a, uh, a range of error around that. So it could happen anywhere from, you know, 40 months out to 50 months. So uh, I think that the risk is is that there's more coming uh, based on the cyclical pattern, which seems to have worked pretty well over time, although time does slip, so one wants to be careful there. Uh, it is possible that the, the low we've, we saw uh, in late December was it, but my take on the fundamental side is that uh, uh, there's room for expectations for economic and earnings growth to move lower. I don't know if the market has fully discounted that yet. You know, when we look at the price weakness, basically most of it happened in December. A lot of it happened in fairly thin markets. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm always hesitant to, ju- to, to judge the price action on that. So you have a number of key financial indicators, stock markets, which are fl- have from the highs to the lows flirted with bear market territory. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, yield curve is very flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually one of the curves the two-year versus the 10-year or the three-month versus the 10-year needs to invert to get us to a recession, but Mm -hmm. we're close enough. Uh, And corporate bond spreads have blown out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm in the camp that the slowdown in the economy is probably going to be more pronounced than people think. I was in the slowdown camp, so I was on the low side of consensus, but I've been surprised on the downside. I'm going to hold off in saying I think we're going to have a recession, partly because uh, the corporate bond market is behaving reasonably well, given how much corporate debt there is. But I think we're in for a bit of a rough ride on the economic and the earnings side this year, and I don't know if it's fully discounted yet in the uh, in stock prices, but I think at some point towards mid-year, we're going to be seeing, we're going to be awfully close to the lows. Uh, we're in studio here with uh, John Johnston. He's executive uh, vice president and the chief strategist at Davis Ray, a uh, longstanding uh, friend of mine on the streets of Bay, and I have a lot of time for his thought. Uh, big picture macro uh, viewpoints is always fun to uh, 
uh, hear his viewpoint. I want to go back to you about your four-year cycle uh, low because uh, our technician, Javid, I'm not sure if you know Javid. I know Javid. Yeah. Um, he, he thinks, in fact, uh, 2019 is going to set up a four-year low and as such the start of a new four-year cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is your work overlaying yeah. nicely to his work? Yeah. It, like We're three years out, so we're moving into the fourth year of the cycle that started in early 2016. I see. So by 2019, 2020. Yeah, we're going to be there. Like some people dated as late as 53 months, but it just, to me, it looks like we still have some room to, to decline on the downside. But I'm at the point now where I'm more worried about saying, okay, that's time the bottom. When is the bottom coming? Uh, and I think, you know, that's the next stage. Um, the rally to me looks a bit lukewarm so far. And there's a lot happening. You know, a lot of these things like Brexit, Trump and trade wars, you know, they may just be like gusts of wind hitting a bridge and has no impact over the long run. But, you know, at the same time, if they keep hitting it, the bridge can fall down. We all saw that that video as a kid where, uh, you know, little gusts of wind knocks some bridge down. Fr- they kept fractal, they call fractal impressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, anyways. How about, how about the Fed? Because the Fed is uh, very impactful. And uh, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a little gust of wind. I would say it's a little bit more, uh, more, oh, power, more powerful than yeah. that. with uh. a gale going on. But um, it was offside with the market. And that's really what got the market to sell off significantly, mm-hmm. I think, in December. Because Powell came out. And he had a lot of commentary in the day that he came out and made the Fed announcement and it became a lot more hawkish, I think, than the market expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that was the catalyst. And then you also said that there was, you know, not a lot of, um, there was certainly a lot of volatility, but not a lot of liquidity in the market at that period of time. So that certainly aided uh, mm-hmm. the factor. So, so what's your view on the Fed right now? Well, I think there's a couple of things. There's the overall tactical approach of the Fed, but and let's leave that for a minute. I think that the market and the Fed the new Fed are learning to dance together. We're getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that the Fed is, you know, the Fed has shown some flexibility of mind and they're not going to raise rates for the time being. I think the bar is fairly high for them to cut rates. I think that the old market view that the Fed will come to rescue it every time it gets into trouble is outdated. Mm-hmm. And if you listen, I, I went back and read uh, Powell's speeches. His it, The speech he gave when at his swearing-in ceremony, our job is low inflation, high employment, and financial stability. Ah, so you added a third layer. So he's added that. And I think that the Fed is going to be very careful about creating too much in the way of bubbly activity. He's mentioned that a number of times. He's talked about the bubble. And the fact is, if he sees that frothy market, especially the equity markets, instead of having, we talked about a a Fed put in the past, Mm -hmm. you may have a Fed call where anytime that there's any froth in the market, the, the Fed stamps it out. Interesting, interesting. Well, uh, we got to pay some bills around here on High Fire Radio. Wolfgang Klein, your host, show about money. We got John Johnson, Executive Vice President, Chief Strategist at Davis Wright in Studio, and of course, Jack Hartle, always here to support the cause. More High Fire Radio right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to High Fire Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, you know what that means? We got a deadhead in the studio, and his name is John Johnston. He's an executive vice president, chief strategist at Davis Ray. Uh, I've asked a question before. I, I can never retain the answer because it just uh, it behooves me the answer uh, to the question I'm going to ask you right now, JJ. And that is, how often did you see the Grateful Dead? 
not nearly as often as a lot of people. I may be, including the solo bands, maybe a hundred and something, a hundred times. But there are people who would go to 25 shows a year. But is is uh, but every my, show different? Is that what you had to go? Or were they were just the experience different? Or how, it, it was. Uh, they started a pattern where people play, um, uh, bands will go night after night without repeating songs. Like, for example, uh, I like to quote this because there's the new version of the dead, the people who have inherited the dead's mantle are the band Fish. And Fish have, they played 13 nights at Madison Square Garden. They sold out every night. And they'd never played one song, any song more than once over 13 nights. Wow. It's funny because um, Tony Greer was a big Fish fan. Uh, I never really oh, got yeah? into the band. But I'm going to ask now Brittany, our producer. Uh, Brittany, you're, you're, a, you're a millennial. Uh, and uh, we're, we've been introducing you to the audience over time here. But uh, your big band is Arcade Fire. Yep. So I ask you, and you're a big fan of Arcade Fire. How often did you see the band? Last year, I've seen them three times. And in your life, how often have you seen the band? Only four. So how, what do you think about JJ seeing a band a hundred and some odd times? I uh, aspire to be him. I would, love to, <laughs> I would love to see my band that often. But concert tickets have went up so much that yeah. it's a little hard now. But, uh, but you know something? I, I, those, those Grateful Dead uh, tickets back in the day, they would have been what? Uh, they were always pretty reasonably priced. But uh, the latest incarnation of the Dead were three of the Dead guys and John Mayer are touring. And it's the usual. Like, you, you want to sit up front, it's 500 to to 1000 oh, bucks. Wow. So. And, uh, you know, having John Mayer and the Grateful Dead is just, I, I've left, I've checked out. But now, JJ, what did you say when, and, and, and Garcia passed away? What happened? Well, the, uh, he, it came out one morning that he had passed away. I think it was a Thursday, kind of probably right around this time. It started to hit the Reuters wires. And activity slowed on Wall Street in the afternoon. People were reading the Internet and listening to tributes. Uh, lots of deadheads on Wall Street. And in fact, there are some exclusive clubs on Wall Street where Wall Streeters who are deadheads go and they get together every month. And you, it's, you have to get invited. You had to earn your way onto the list. I've never it sounds like a secret society. It secret is a secret cover. society. Well, you know, it's funny because this, this is going to lead me to my next point here, a little piece of trivia. In the 1640s, the Dutch inhabitants of New Amsterdam built a 12-foot wall to keep the bad hombres out. In 1664, the British ignored the wall and took down New Amsterdam by sea. It's now called New York. They took down the wall and built a street, and it's called Wall Street. That's great. Isn't that isn't something, something else? All right, let's get back to business here, JJ. Um, <laughs> so here we are uh, through, through the month, um, which looks okay so far. Uh, my concern is it's had a pretty big run-up. So let's put the market aside. Let's get back to valuations. Let's get back to some ideas that we can maybe share with the listener. I'm going to start with um, a North American flavor. Do you prefer, prefer this year Canada over the United States or vice versa and why? For the time being, I prefer the U.S. over Canada. Huh. We're, we're in an environment, uh, you know, Canada's been beaten up, and it'll turn before the U.S., just like emerging markets will turn before the U.S., uh, and the Canadian dollar will have some tailwinds. But, you know, we need to start seeing some signs of an inflection in growth. Growth doesn't have, you know, growth doesn't, ha it just has to start stabilizing, and commodity prices start to need to inflect up, and that's when you'll, you'll get more tailwinds in Canada and other commodity-oriented markets and the emerging markets vis-a-vis -vis the U.S. So we were talking last year, or beginning of 2018, uh, the late cyclicals, and we just recently talked to our strategist, <laughs> Martin Robert, he's now saying you might want to start focusing on the early cyclicals. Mm -hmm. So he's you talked about copper there. He mentioned home builders, I believe. There's a few yeah. other names. What other uh, sectors are, are in that early cyclical camp that may be attractive? Uh, well, we'd be watching for the banks because yeah. they've been beaten up badly. The general commodity sectors in general, you know, the, the worst one beaten up is energy. 
Uh, also, the U.S. industrials. There's a number of, of good names there. And a lot of people include the chemical stocks in the industrials, but they're really part of the U.S. material sector. And once again, they've also been beaten up. Yeah, we own DuPont Dow. Yeah, and we that, do we do too. And, it, you know, it's some of those names are going to do really well because the slowdown is almost is being priced in. It's a recession is not priced in. I don't think a bumpy. You don't think, I, I think we think a recession is priced in. We don't think it's a recession mild is coming. Yeah, uh, I, I, mild one. No, the, a bear market in stocks is right fifty percent of the time. We've just barely Correct. hit the twenty percent thing, and we did it in a liquid market. So I don't know that it's priced in. One of the things that I take some comfort in is the big imbalance in the global economy is corporate debt, particularly in the emerging markets, priced in U.S. dollars and, and yeah. euros, and corporate spreads really they've widened out. Yeah, but. They're not to me. They're in slowdown territory, not in bear market territory. So I think a, a, a reasonable slowdown is priced in. I think it could be a bit bumpier, but I think we're a little ways away from finding the bottom. I think we're going to get a little. We have to. I think we're going to move a little away from the three-year mark to find the four-year low, and I don't think we're there yet. I it's see. it's funny with the this year the way it's been. Like Wolf said, it's been a good year so far, and those early cyclicals, that stuff that really got hammered last year, that stuff has outperformed so far this year. You look at a lot of those big U.S. banks. And we own some of them, uh, Bank of America, Citigroup, a lot of negativity priced in and mm-hmm. things weren't maybe quite as bad as people thought and the good upside with the, the potential there. So you do have to pay attention yeah. to oh, the, the cyclicality and, of the market. And they're going to be giving lots of, uh, lots of uh, capital back to shareholders. Just if I can leave you with one thing that gives me comfort, and we're talking about timing the market. In January uh, of 2018, I used Jack Bogle's rule. He passed away yesterday. The dividend yield plus earnings growth plus the change in the PE to get an estimated 10-year return. Yeah. I used his formulas, and I can explain it to you off air, and I got a return of 4 to 7% per year for 10 years. Uh, go, that, go, going forward. Going forward. And that's not including inflation, fees, or taxes, so it's really low. Uh, I ran it again last week, I, and this is for the global index, a big global index of stocks. Uh, which would probably be proxied by the Vanguard All World Stock Index. Uh, I ran it last week, and I got eight to ten percent, based on the dividend yield going up forty-eight basis points and the PE coming down four multiple points. So that the price-earnings ratio has come down twenty to twenty-five percent on most major indexes. And what JJ means by that is the market has gotten cheaper. Oh yeah, and, and you know when I look out, an eight to ten percent return nominal before tax. And fees, that's pretty good. I think we could get up to double digits where the bottom end is in the double di- is at 10. Yeah, well, I would that, say you look the- at where we're at right now, we're at an average market multiple, and JJ talks about an 8 to 10 return. That is the historic return for a the stock. Uh, you know, I want to end right? on, because we'd have to wrap this puppy up here, but I do want to end on this last decade, I think the last two decades, on a rolling basis have had some of the lowest returns in history. And yeah. so to play catch up to that, and this, this is now working off of bespoke's work, to mm-hmm. play catch up to that is what many pundits are expecting. Do, uh, JJ, hang around with us. We're going to interview uh, Mike Walkley and talk tech, media, and telecom. And then, well, we're going to uh, sort of flirt with the, uh, shall I say, nostalgia of uh, the Grateful Dead as we interview Matt Bottomley and talk about cannabis, my good friend. More on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. So nice to be back home where I belong. 
Okay, JJ, that's starting to kill me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said, I said to I said to the uh, folks in the studio, I said we need a song. Uh, we're going to bring Mike Walkley on. We're going to talk about the uh, Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Give me some Vegas tunes, and JJ. Okay, that's what, what's that song called? It's Hello Dolly, Carol oh, Channing. All right, well there you go. I'm sure it gets better. Hope it gets better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hope, the, hope the show is better than the song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we got Mike Walkley on the line. Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Happy to be here. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, Mike, Mike is our, our TMT analyst. That's what we used to call them back in the day, and they hung on with that handle, a tech, media, and telecom analyst, because uh, it was all about convergence back in the late 90s as the NASDAQ was plowing to 5,000. The triple Qs were everyone's dream. Uh, well, so they put media and pipeline and content all together, and hey, they came up with an Apple phone. <laughs> How's that? Uh, Apple did it best. They, they converged media, didn't they, Mike? They sure did. Yeah, well, indeed they did, Mike. So, look, let, let's talk about this. You're at the, uh, I'm going to go right to the Vegas show before we get more into Apple here. Uh, what did you catch at the uh, Consumer Electronics Show that really stood out? Yeah, this year, a lot of the same things as last year. So it wasn't like a, a big new theme, um, which maybe isn't a great indicator for tech. But one thing we did see very much a growing interest in is, is 5G. So 5G is really a focus this year and, and Speaking with investors, you know, two of our top picks, you know, to play the upcoming 5G upgrade cycle is, you know, large cap, it's Nokia as one of the leaders in 5G infrastructure, contract wins, and you're likely a share gainer, particularly with what's going on with Huawei, um, the big Chinese company, they're getting banned from more and more markets for spying and other concerns. So Nokia should be really that net winner from Huawei. Um, you know, not not being allowed now in certain other markets, which is expanding into Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and they've never been allowed into uh, the U.S. market. And then on small cap, it's a company called Insego, ticker INSG. Uh, they work closely with Qualcomm, and they have some of the first 5G products uh, coming to the market. Uh, one, they have a router for high-speed access that Verizon's rolling out. They're the, they're the consumer premise equipment for high-speed access. And then they're the leader in these hotspots, which will give you high-speed access as you carry on those hockey puck-type devices. And with some of the Chinese being their competitors and now getting banned um, from the U.S., including companies like ZTE, um, this is a small-cap company that could be a way to play you know, the first 5G devices coming to the market. Well, what are we as consumers going to get out of 5G? And, and, and when is it going to be rolled on Canada, if you know? Yeah, so 5G is it's going to be in Canada really later this year into next year, but really for the consumer and the big change, it's going to come as they add more capacity and roll it out over the next couple of years. So, um, you know, the belief is longer term, maybe the, the, your handset becomes less of your um, device you consume data on. It becomes more, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, maybe some kind of headset goggles. Cause once you get 5g speeds, you finally get the bandwidth there where you where you can, um, really have a, a unique experience just streaming fast video everywhere. It can cut the cord. It can be your, your mobile broadband. So just think of what 4G did for the smartphone, 5G is going to do to a lot of industries that we don't know yet. But it's going to take like 4G several years to maybe upwards of five years to get it fully rolled out and, and good coverage. So you can do all these 5G applications. And, you know, that's key to get to this autonomous driving longer term, you're going to need to have great fast networks and 5G is a key component to make autonomous driving happen one day also. Yeah. And we were talking about Apple before, obviously being the, the leader in the mobile device. Where are they they at with 5G and uh, when are they going to be rolling those devices out, I guess? That's a great question. Uh, I've talked to a lot of investors about that recently. So 
Apple, disappointingly, will probably be very late to the market with a 5G device. So they're in this major fight with Qualcomm. They're not paying Qualcomm royalties. They're working with Intel. Intel's behind and unlikely to have a working 5G solution for the next generation of iPhones coming out September of 2019. Um, so the belief in the industry and, and the, you know, this is consistent with our modeling. We don't think Apple will have the first 5G-enabled iPhones until um, the fall of 2020. Um, Qualcomm has a lot of design wins with Android, so you'll, you'll probably be able to get a 5G phone first from the Android, you know, Samsung's of the world, probably uh, as quickly as next quarter, but the networks aren't really going to be rolled out with great coverage until next year. But, uh, you know, for branding purposes and have that little 5G logo on the phone, I think you'll see it in uh, Android phones later this year and iPhones next year. And Mike, and by the way, we have Mike Walkley online. He's Canaccord's tech, media, and telecom analyst. We're talking about the Las Vegas Consumer Show, the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. And we're also talking, of course, about Apple, a stock that Jack and I uh, are long. I always thought an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but uh, caused me a bit of a stomach upset recently, I must say, Mike. Uh, do you think we're okay with the stock to keep things real simple? It's early in the morning after all. Are we going to make some money holding Apple stock at these levels, Mike, if we can think out 18 months to two years i think i think so 18 months to two years you know basically what's happened that you know caught people off guard on apple is it's not that they're losing share it's just that people are holding onto their phones longer and iphones still drive the model so um apple launched three new phones they thought that the you know some people call it the xr or the 10r the lowest price of the three they thought that would really help drive strong sales in the holidays as a more affordable phone on their new user interface with the Face ID, and it's just been a disappointing seller. I mean, really, two reasons. One is people already put uh, covers on their phones, so having a colored iPhone that kind of reminds them of the old 5C that didn't do well, that looks a little cheaper. And then the, you know, the other high-end phones are so expensive, they just kind of missed the mark on that, that key market. And then secondly, what really hurt Apple when it came out in the news this week is um, in the last 12 months, uh, 11 million people have replaced batteries in iPhones, whereas in average years under 2 million. So, that's, so call it, you know, upwards of 9 to 10 million of uh, iPhone sales lost, you know, times $700. That's another 6 billion in sales yeah. lost. I was actually tempted people. to do that, uh, but I didn't want to cheap out and I own the stock and I, well, I had to be a newbie yeah. and early adopter just because of what I do. Uh, well, what's, sorry, what's the battery worth? Because again, this, this is a $2,000 phone I'm looking at. The battery would have been about 50 bucks, 60 bucks to keep my own running. Um, it's it's about 129 to 199 depending yeah. on the type of phone, but yeah, it's you know much cheaper, and it was even cheaper for a short time. Um, they even had it as low as 29 bucks uh, when there were some complaints about them, you know, theoretically slowing your battery life um, to get you to upgrade, which was really just putting out new operating systems tend to take a little more of the battery. So consumers are starting to realize my other phone still works well. I just need a new battery, um, and you know. 120 bucks versus a thousand dollars. You know that's a, a big price differential for some wanting to uh, delay their upgrades. Yeah, uh, Mike, hang around with us. We got Mike Walkley on the line, tech media telecom analyst. We're talking about Apple. We're talking about 5G. We're talking about chips. We're talking about technology. Uh, so stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Listen, we're gonna take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. You know, I remember when I was a child and I went and bought my first stereo, and I want you to pay attention to this, John, JJ. Uh, when I bought my first stereo, uh, one of the greatest songs to demo a stereo on with stereo was that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you, JJ, I bet you were more of a quadraphonic kind of a guy. Just looking at you and say, I see quadraphonic in JJ Johnson, <laughs> uh, our executive uh, strategist at uh, Davis Ray. Uh, anyways, we have Mike Walkley on the line. I digress there a little. Mike Walkley, tech media telecom analyst uh, who covers Apple uh, and Qualcomm. Uh, pay talk about the 5G network here and the beaten up Apple stock. So 18 months, we're going to make Apple. We got to be patient. Uh, is Warren Buffett still buying the stock? Because I just read the uh, uh, synopsis on his success buying uh, that railway company in its entirety 10 years ago, BNSF. Uh, the world thought he was crazy paying 18 times earnings. Um, he made a big, big bet on it, uh, paying you know, record prices. And guess what? Within 10 years, he pulled his capital out through dividends of $35 billion, and his net return is $100 billion. Buffett knows what he's doing. So, uh, Mike, tell me, is Buffett still accumulating Apple stock, or is he scared, running scared and selling Apple stock down here? Um, that's a good question. I, I haven't seen him in the filings as a seller, so I, I believe he's he's still holding strong. I'm not sure if he's been adding or not. Uh, we'll have to wait for the the next filings to come out, but uh, no indication he's a seller from anything I've seen. I say he, he's been one of the obviously greatest investors of all time, but his track record with technology has been uh, a little yeah. dicey. He had uh, IBM there for a while, had to cut his losses. There's been a few others, but uh, I would imagine that he's he's taken the opportunity to to buy this company. Like you said, it's ten times earnings x cash. Uh, still tons of cash flow, still tons of cash on the balance sheet, upwards of north of $100 billion. Is that correct, Mike? Yeah, about $125 billion in wow. net cash. Oh, yeah, a lot of cash. So, Mike, let's um, let's pivot here to driverless cars. Uh, Jack and I were just chatting in our office the other day as we look out the window down onto Bay Street and Queen Street, and you see all kinds of nonsense with this little traffic jam, and cars can't get uh, through green lights and red lights effectively. Uh and yet, we rely on technology for a lot of things. And when my, when my television set uh, through my four remotes uh, crashes or my home, home Wi-Fi crashes, which happens all the time, I say, I find it almost impossible that in the short term, I ain't going to see uh, autonomous driving. I, I, I can't get my head around it. So work with me on this. How far away are we where I can actually sit in my car, read the paper, and not have to operate the wheel of the car and let, well, uh, the 5G network take me to the office. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's the technology is there in a, in a lab in a controlled environment, but uh, getting it all the way to busy city streets, you know, the networks have to be built and 5G is just in the early stages of, of getting rolled out and you have to get through you know, all the regulations to, to approve these cards, et cetera. So I, I think it's, you know, if you have young children today, maybe they don't have a car, but uh, if you have people who are going to get their license in the next five years, I imagine they'll still have to you know, go through the driving and, and learn how to drive. So, uh, Or they just use shared ride services like Uber, et cetera. But uh, driverless car, cars make sense. The technology is getting close, but the networks need to be built, and that's a huge, huge investment, and you've got to get it rolled out um, to make it work. So it can't just be in short areas, if you're really going to have driverless cars and you can get to the highways, you're going to have to build out a nationwide network, and that, that takes time because, you know, without the network, you know, it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of the, um, therefore, the uh, 
what do they call them? The the, the REITs in your spec. The uh, you know what I'm talking about the the antennas. Um, the the, the top. The what? Is it the nodes? Well, well the nodes, no, no. There's a, there's a company that did work with me on this one, JJ. American Tower. American Tower. Thank you. Uh, well, what do we call those those REITs, uh, Mike? Uh, that basically have antennas on top of all the buildings that uh, allow the network to be built. Yeah, they call those the. In the U.S., we call them tower companies or just towers. That's right, the tower stock, the tower companies, yeah. Because uh, they continue to look actually quite reasonable, and I always thought they were very, very expensive. They're obviously just that for a reason. Um, but obviously, with 5G getting built out, I guess the, those assets become more and more valuable, do they not? Absolutely. So they become more valuable, um, and it, it's a good upgrade cycle for them because every time they unlock the gate to let you into their property, there's a fee to hang something else up there. So as you upgrade a technology, you put new antennas and new technologies onto these base stations, 5G, you're going to have new spectrum bands, which would create new antennas, you're going to have uh, denser networks to make it work, so you know, there are going to be more and more spots touched, you'll have a macro cell, and then there's going to be valuable real estate for cities, etc., where you might be putting um, a little 5G antenna on your on a light pole to get really good service on your street. So yeah, and in, ter- in terms of sorry, in terms of the um, software as well about it, because again, you you cover or covered, I think you still do cover is BlackBerry. Uh, in terms of time, do you have any 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 comments on Black BlackBerry for the audience? Yeah, so BlackBerry they have a role in autonomous driving. That's where they have a secure operating system that's hard to hack into. So you know. Last thing you want is hack into. I don't want you to crash. I'm going to hack in and make you crash. <laughs> kind of a deal. Yeah, that's the last thing you want. So Can you imagine? Blackberry's winning because you know when you go to autonomous driving. You have different systems in a car. You'll have a braking system. You'll have the steering system. Um, so you'll have these diff- disparate systems to make sure people don't break hack into them. So Blackberry today for cars already you know has strong share of what people call infotainment systems. You know where you wirelessly get things in your car into you know whether it's Streaming, streaming video for the backseat to just radio, et cetera. Um, now they'll uh, get into some of these systems for cars. So that's a, that's a growth driver for them. But even even for BlackBerry, kind of as our discussion, we, you know, these autonomous cars are several years out in terms of scaling any type of volume. So it's it's more of a future driver for BlackBerry, but not something that's going to drive the next one or two years of earnings. Yeah, it sounds like the Jetsons to me, my good friend. Uh, Mike Walkley, Tech Media Telecom Analyst at Canaccord Genuity. Uh, you're a good fella. I really, really appreciate all of your thought. Uh, it's a jungle out there, and we need some calmness and uh, some rational, fundamental business uh, minds like you to help us through the course of days. Uh, I want to wish you and thank you very much for your time. Coming up next, we're going to speak with Matt Bottomley. Uh, he is our cannabis analyst at Canaccord Genuity. Uh, JJ wanted to hang around to hear what he had to say as a deadhead uh, would once, I guess, participate, eh? I can't remember. (laughs) More of it on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, man, I say. Hi-Fi Radio, Wolfgang Klein, your host, Jack Harley, your co-host. Uh, JJ decided to hang around for the rest of the uh, show. He went to pipe into what Matt Bottomley had to say. Uh, Matt Bottomley is our 
healthcare analyst. Uh, but we're not talking Johnson & Johnson, my good friends. No, we're talking cannabis. A cannabis analyst. Uh, I never thought, JJ, uh, that there would be a cannabis analyst on Bay Street. Never in a hundred years. Again, uh, I defer to you, uh, my deadhead friend of a hundred and some odd shows. Hey, Matt, by the way, we got, we got JJ in the studio. He went to the Grateful Dead over 100 times, and I'm assuming there was a bit of cannabis aura in the sky. There was a lot, and a lot of kids ended up going to jail for you know minor infractions in the U.S. One wanted to be real careful. At, yeah, at the at the, dead, they, they, at the Grateful Dead shows, tar- a, a, a lot of busts. They targeted them. Is that right? Yeah. They yeah, targeted they how, targeted uh, the Grateful Dead's audience, eh? Yeah. Wow! It's incredible how how quickly things have changed, seemingly in the last two years here. But yeah, I'm not not surprised to hear it. Thanks for having me on. You know, Matt, thank you for having us on. Uh, 2018, boy, oh boy, that was quite a year in the cannabis space. Um, Bull bear, almost left for dead. Uh, You know, the U.S. uh, coming up and raising a lot of money here in Canada. Um, But that was 2018. Uh, Some of those tax loss ideas that people are just uh, punting out uh, became very good buys if those who stepped into the uh, cannabis space late, late December and uh, did some purchasing. Uh, Well, if you picked the right names, you made yourself a lot of money. Uh, So, Matt, what does 2019 have to do uh, with cannabis? Is it going to continue to be a growing theme? Uh, How much, where, what's it all about? Yeah, so, I mean, certainly from the fundamental standpoint, the underlying, uh, you know, growth profiles of all these companies, it's going to be, uh, you know, significantly uh, higher than what we saw in 2018. Obviously, the recreational market in Canada only sort of kicked off in the the last quarter there. So so it's definitely going to be a, 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 an incredible growth story for, for years to come. Uh, probably, you know, what the more relevant question is certainly uh, what your listeners would be interested in is, 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 you know, with respect to what we expect in the stock. So uh, that's a bit of a trickier question. I, I think that um, certainly um, the space itself is going to see a bit of turmoil uh, at some point in 2019 when it comes to uh, rolling out this industry because we're still waiting a lot of a, a lot of the brick and mortar to be rolled out and, and new product forms. But I wouldn't bet against uh, overall higher valuations just for the fact that at any given day a new strategic investor could come in like a Constellation or an Altria, uh, and I expect that to be a theme as well as additional uh, M&A within the sector to, to lift valuations yeah, higher. Yeah, uh, sorry, my, it, on that note, you're, you're a freight train. I love you, man. you got so much energy. Uh, obviously not a cannabis consumer. Um, <laughs> um, who, who's in terms of big players? Uh, who's participating now, or who's at the table? Uh, we've heard now from uh, Constellation, Constellation, uh, Budweiser, correct? Uh, yeah, Imbev. Yep. Yeah, Imbev. Yep. Uh, who else do we have at the party? Coca Cola. Are they? Is it committed yet? No, they they haven't. I mean, that's one that everyone's been, been uh, keeping their eye on. Yeah, yeah. And then we have Big Tobacco. Is Big Tobacco at the party? Altria. Well, Altria is. Yep. In and then do we have uh, Big Pharma there yet? No, I mean, Novartis has invested a little bit into Tilray uh, or more, uh, you know, for, for product development side of things. I think that it's going to be critical for Big Pharma to get in in order to make this industry more legitimate from a medical standpoint. There hasn't been a, a historical amount of, uh, of, of clinical trials and, 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 and real data behind it. Um, so I expect that to change. I think what we'll probably see uh, more so in, in, in 2019 is more from big alcohol. I think that makes the most sense in the short term and, and then big pharma down the road. Well, yeah, and big alcohol, I think it's, it's having challenges with revenue. Um, uh, revenue in, in many pockets of big alcohol is on the decline. And as such, you obviously want to offset that. And, and cannabis uh, being legalized, you think that they're going to be eating into their market share as well, right? It's all about edibles, Jack. More of it on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. 
Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I say, Wolf doesn't know no, that no, one. No, I don't know that one. Brittany, did you pick that song? Who JJ, that? JJ that knows that, that one. Uh, yeah, is, is that dead? Yeah. More Grateful Dead, eh? Yeah. That sounded kind of folky. It's Friend of the Devil from American Beauty. Friend of the Devil from American Beauty, eh? <sighs> you know, mm. it's, it's funny, uh, uh, folks, when I uh, go to these uh, cannabis presentations um, and I, I listen to these American companies uh, coming up here to raise money, they, 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 they share with you a slide deck and their business plans. Um, these American players are taking it very, very seriously. And, and you know, it's funny because we're legal up here in Canada, but I think that they're so far ahead of us already in terms of distribution, retail, branding, packaging, um, making stuff uh, Instagrammable. That, the, the one presentation I went to, he said, if you go into a cannabis retail outlet, you want to make the experience Instagrammable as opposed to feel like you're walking some creepy shop that you want to get in right. real and it, quick. It, it's legal here now. You can sell, you know, we can't sell retail, but you will be in April. But some of these states, and you say they're ahead of us, it's because they are. They've been selling retail for many more years than we have here Yeah, well, Colorado. How long has Colorado been at it now, my, uh, Matt? Uh, they started in yeah, 2014, but 2014. years before that. Right, right, right. We got Matt Bottomley on the line. He is a healthcare analyst, otherwise known as a cannabis analyst at Canaccord Genuity. Uh, I continue to smile when I find out there's a cannabis analyst. Uh, but you don't actually analyze, you don't ana- analyze cannabis and, 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 and vote on the cannabis cup, do you, my friend? No, no, no. You help pick good companies that people should be looking at investing in. Do you remember the cannabis cup there, uh, JJ? No, I've never heard of it. you never heard of the cannabis? Mm-hmm. Matt, share with them what the cannabis cup is all about. Well, there's tons. I mean, there's a lot of different competitions out there in, in, in various places, but it, it's more for, you know, the, the classic users, people that have probably participated in the illicit market over the years, uh, you know, different strains that are that are popular, um, whether it's for the, the, the psychoactive impact or the, the taste and the flavors. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that I think is... Uh, it was sort of a fun little thing the industry does. Not something I particularly track, but but definitely is growing year over year. Yeah, and I, I heard it, t- it took place in Amsterdam, and, and and folks would get together. These consultants, these connoisseurs of cannabis, would get together and smoke smoke various strains of cannabis and vote on which was the best and award at the cannabis cup. Uh, anyways, uh, I do digress. So Matt, uh, 2019. Uh, but what I see here is a province of Ontario with 25 brick-and-mortar stores. It sounds very, very lean. In fact, the uh, the licenses, I guess, over the weekend uh, were awarded. We, uh, yeah, there was the lottery, I guess. The, yeah, the lottery took out. place. So uh, it, it, Ontario is one big province. 25 brick-and-mortar stores does not sound like a whole lot. I, I think 2019 is going to be a, a, a layup for the illicit market to continue to make money. Well, the excuses, too, that the Ontario government is using for only having 25 stores is they don't have enough supply, which with the amount of money that's gone into the cannabis sector in 2017, 2018, I, I find that hard to bud. believe. Yeah, so Matt, come on. There, there must be a warehouse of bud uh, ready for purchase. Uh, what, what, what's with the bottlenecks? Well, yeah, it's going to be a, a continuum, right? So, uh, you know, I believe that if you... Uh, you know, if you look at all the press releases out there, to your point, uh, the capital that's been raised, uh, at some point, and I believe it will happen towards the back end of this year, the, you know, Canada, Canada will be awash in cannabis. I mean, there, if you believe every press release, there's going to be a lot more 
uh, supply than demand, uh, certainly considering right. the fact that brick and mortar isn't, isn't really up and running. But right now, it does seem to be a bit of a grower's market because there's a lot of logistics in getting the product out. You need the various stamps. You need various uh, packaging requirements. It's not just about growing the, the, the plant itself. Uh, and right now there is a bit of a scramble, and, uh, and and I don't doubt that for the next couple of months it will be a bit of a shortage. When will the first brick and mortar be open in, let's say, Toronto, do you believe? Well, I believe if we're talking just literally the first one, it yeah. will probably be in April or shortly thereafter. Um, but to your point, 25 stores for cannabis versus you know, 700 or 800 LCBOs, it, it's going to sh- fall very shy with respect or, or compared to what what the market will probably demand. So you're right, it will probably, um, you know, keep the illicit market up and running for a bit. And in addition to that, we need more product formulation too. That's something that a lot of people don't realize is that the product forms that you can currently sell anywhere in Canada, obviously including Ontario, is very tame compared to what you can get in the U.S. And we're expecting that to, to start to change uh, again towards the back half of the do, year. Do you know how many cannabis shops there are in Amsterdam? Anyone know the answer to that question, JJ? Probably way more than 25. 300, my friend. In the city of Amsterdam, there are 300 <laughs> cannabis shops. Uh, we're talking about the province of Ontario, 25. I continue to well, scratch you gotta my walk, head. Well, you got to walk before you run, too. Well, they've been doing it a lot, lot longer than we have here, right? So, uh, like you said, the illicit market will make yeah, up no, the no, difference no, no, for no, now. No, but but you know, the, the government has stipulated there can only be 25 stores. In the first phase. In the, yeah, yeah, but why stipulate? Like, why put a, a cap on it, Matt? Why are they putting a cap on the amount of brick-and-mortar stores? Well, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hard cap. You can have a rolling cap, but you want to you definitely want to avoid what's happened in in places like Oregon where there's a there's a pot shop on every corner. That doesn't help any of the producers that have been into the market. Uh, it causes the wholesale market to crash. Um, you know, it's not a very good uh, way to build the infrastructure. So you want to make sure that you have, uh, you know, the local communities um, that are that have time to to to, to buy in or not, if they even want to have these stores in their backyard. Uh, and then once you have the, you know, the answer to that in terms of the locations and regions in Ontario that are open to it, um, you want to make sure you serve the market. But the government is very uh, vocal on not wanting to promote it. So you don't want to have a pot shop or a, or a dispensary beside every, you know, pizza pizza. You want to make sure that it's. Uh, it's done in a response. I don't know. Way. Pizza Pizza, I think, wants on my beside next door. Hey, absolutely. <laughs> and, the, and the acronym, my good friend, is NIMBY, not in my backyard. Uh, Matt, uh, healthcare and cannabis analyst at Canaccord Genuity. We are out of time. I want to thank you very much for the cannabis update, my good friend. I want to wish you. all of you a very, very good weekend. Jack, good job as always. And JJ, our Grateful Dead fan. It's always a pleasure to have you in studio, my good friend. Pleasure to be here. It was fun. Thanks. All the best. Have a great weekend. Listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.